This is J.H. Williams III, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. I'm the artist on Echolands, Batwoman, and Promethea, and Sandman, amongst many other things. Enjoy the show. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. of the Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I am Kenneth Regan, that is Mr. Horsley, and today on the show, well, it's J.H. Williams III, isn't it? It is. I have a funny story about him real quick, if you want to hear it first. Please do. So when I uh, was getting into comics, uh, yeah. like drawing and writing web comics like years ago, yeah, I found him online somewhere. I don't, I don't know what time it was, but he's an amazing artist, right? Right. But uh, I was always like, like one of the man, best. I was like, man, you have a third and you have a J and you're, you have initials in your name. You're, like, it's like you have be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You're almost half my name because, you know, <laughs> I'm J in horses of the third. Right. It's different, you're but half my name. there's a lot of similarities there in, in sure. the name. And, and I was like, I was always like, that could have been me, even though it's, I mean, it's not, but name wise. So again, I think that was a good story. Just a story. <laughs> could have but, been me. Right. Could have been me. No, J.H., this guy is amazing. Yeah, he, he's a, His work he's a is phenomenal stupendous, artist. and he has like this, he's got a style that just, you know, he's wait till he talks about his, his Harry Shaken, um, Harry Shaken. Harry <laughs> Shaken. <laughs> I don't even know what you're trying to say there, dude. Oh, it's my. Harry Shaken artwork. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Who am I talking about? J. H. Williams. No, 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 no. Oh, God, it's um. Oh, dude, he's a notorious curmudgeon in the industry. Oh, uh, Howard Jenkin. Yes, Howard Jenkin. Thank you. I said Harry. Harry Jenkin, Howard I said Harry Jenkin. I'm thinking oh, Howard Jenkin. Oh my God, that's oh, ridiculous. God. And Howard's supposed to come on. Yeah, he is going to come on. Oh my God, how embarrassing is that? Don't listen to this one. Whatever you do, Howard. I'm sending him this episode. Oh you. my God, it's embarrassing. Anyways. Uh, his his story with with Howard is is awesome. <laughs> well, because um, Howard warned him, I said, "You sure you want me to look at your stuff?" And he's like, "No, please yeah. do." And yeah. he forced him to do it. And and Howard loved his stuff. But there you go. Why don't we just listen to J. H. Williams III in his own words, and you'll be able to hear the story. guys welcome back um, we're just going to get right into it you've already heard some some ramblings from jh and myself 
And just so you guys know who we're talking to, which I think you could probably figure it out if you uh, paid attention. But J.H. Williams III, thank you so much for joining us here on Spoiler Country. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're just talking about passion, how people got into things. And, you know, we had a guy on, uh, you might have heard of him. Uh, he started Image, Eric Larson. And he just, and I asked him, when did you know? And he goes, I never not knew that I wanted to be a comic book artist. I wanted to be in yeah. the comics. That's all he ever wanted to do from, he goes, from I'm a little kid. Are you yep. similar to that? Just, he goes, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Yep. Pretty much the same situation here. You know, I always would draw, you know, I don't ever remember not drawing. Yeah. And I remember, you know, <clears throat> reading comics a lot as a kid, you know, particularly a lot of Marvel's, Marvel comics and stuff. I mostly grew up in the Bay Area, so I had a lot of good access to comics and yeah, stuff. Yeah, But what I never really thought about being a comic artist until, I know, as a kid, I was obsessed with these toys called Micronauts. And I remember them well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, Adam. Yeah, yeah. And you know, going to the local seven 11 and having some money to spend on some comic books, you know, perusing the, the spinner rack when they used to have those, there was Micronauts number one. And I was so obsessed with those toys. I'm like, how can I not buy this comic book? I had no idea who was doing it. I just, you know, knew I loved the toys. So how can I, you know, like this comic book. So I immediately read it after buying it and was so taken aback by the sophistication of the story, the artwork. I just captured, uh, captivated me so much. I couldn't help but pay attention to every little detail. And with, when I read comics before, I always knew, you know, Stanley presents and I never gave it much thought after that. Well, the, you know, with this comic grabbing my attention so much, you know, I really paid attention to the credits box for the first time. I was probably eight years old or something oh, like wow. that. And that's when I saw the names, you know, everyone involved from Bill Mallow to Michael Golden to Al Milgram. That's cool. And I just became obsessed with that comic and had to get the whole series. <laughs> and I told friends of mine, you know, I'm like, hey, have you seen this comic book? And they're like, well, if you like that comic book, you got to see this thing called Uncanny X-Men. Yes. And, but, so yeah, it was like 83, the, 84? Yeah. Oh no. Before that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. This was like around the period of, uh, you know, Claremont, Cockrum and Byrne. Yeah. What a time to jump in. Yeah. And so I discovered that comic through these friends and it was so equally captivating as the Micronauts comic, but in a very different way, of course, but it really starts to say, cement in my mind. I'm like, oh, wow, look how distinct these guys are and what they're doing visually. And the stories are so powerful that even as a you know young kid, I was like, well, I could draw. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a comic book artist. <laughs> and <laughs> that was it. That was like you said with Eric Larson. He yeah. was like kind of he kind of gave himself no other choice. And that's how it was for me. I gave myself no other choice to the, you know, to the fears of my parents at the <laughs> time. And I just set out to be that. And, and, you know, in retrospect, as a, you know, more thoughtful adult, <laughs> it was pretty dumb to like set all my sights on this one thing. In some ways, that's out, the I, only I'd way be, you can do it. Yeah, maybe. 
But if it hadn't worked out, I'd be, I don't know where I'd be, you know, I'd have, be like, <laughs> have you ever met, have you ever talked to uh, Jerry Ordway? No, I have exchanged some tweets with him. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever met him. He's a good guy. You should listen. You should talk with him when you get a chance. He is so funny. He has this amazing story of him getting his first job at DC and him and his buddy uh-huh. tried and they got denied. And then, so he basically doesn't give up, but he basically acts, you know, just says, okay. I'm going to go and do something else. And he gets a job in a licensing firm drawing coloring books. And the books oh, would wow. be like Wonder Woman or Spider-Man. They license products from all the other place, right? Uh-huh. So then he decides to go <laughs> to a local con. It was a Doctor Who con. Oh, wow. And I want to say Paul Levitz and I think I want to say Kubrick was there. And Kubrick was looking, Kubrick was looking at drawings for people and saying, this is what you need to work on. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm going to take you to the next level to talk to somebody at DC. Right. He's there for like four hours. It's like 90 degrees outside. The sun's beating down. He's in this long line for four hours. You got to set up the whole thing, right? He's like long line for four hours. There's 80 or more people all dressed up like the classic Doctor Who from the 60s and 70s. The uh, the guy with nice. the, the long overcoat and the scarf. I can't remember which actor that was. Oh, I can't think of his name either. Yeah, but you know who I'm talking about. He's like, yeah, yeah. like up until the new Doctor Who, he was the most popular Doctor Who. And, um, exactly, yeah. So by the time he gets up to the guy to look at his stuff, he's tired. He's done, right? And Jerry hands him a coloring book that he does for this company with Wonder Woman. But the stars are not on the sh- on the shorts. They're all over the place. And it's a game for four-year-olds. You know, find the stars for Wonder Woman kind of right. thing. And he's looking at it going, I don't get this. What am I <laughs> looking at? I don't understand, you know? And he's like, well, it's a coloring book for kids. And it's like, yeah, I don't understand. Paul Levitz walks up and goes, Jerry Ordway, we've been looking for you. He's like, um, <laughs> what? All the stuff that he does for the coloring book would have to go to DC to be approved for the licensing oh, before it went back. Yeah. So they've been looking at her and they had work for him to do. And he was like, I, it was the weirdest thing. And then he goes back wow. home, goes back to his job. And then a week later, Paul is calling him at his job. Wow. Saying, hey. With that, that he was like, "How did you get this number?" He goes, "We called your mom. She gave it to us." <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. just—it's kind of funny. People just kind of—some people fall in, and you know, yeah. you just have this love. He just kept going. He just kept trying, and I think that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. It took me forever to break in. You know, it just forever. Yeah, I would, well, I would, I would show my work to various, you know talent and they'd be like oh this is you know pretty good you should be working or whatever and it wasn't actually very good to be honest but yeah and you know there was a lot of people that were supportive they saw what was there what could be yeah exactly and i kept trying and trying and i kept going to conventions talking to editors a lot i got the weirdest feedback and probably the worst advice I ever, you know, you could ever give anybody trying to get into this business. Yeah. You know, over and over again, I'd be told, oh, well, you know, can you, we're looking for, you know, guys that are like, or so-and-so, whoever was hot at the time. Right. You know, and then you would go back, work on samples, trying to figure out what made those guys. guys I really want a Todd McFarlane. 
Well, and hire Todd McFarlane then. <laughs> right. It was that sort of situation. And yeah. You go come back a year later and that's not what they wanted anymore. Right. You, you know, it was, I just, you kept getting that over and over again. And I finally was, I was close to just saying, fuck it. And right. Just quitting. And my uh, wife, you know, she was basically saying, look, just give it one more shot. Just draw the comics the way you want to draw them. Don't listen to what these, you know, any of these people are telling you. Draw it how you think you want to draw it. And I started doing that, and I ended up working a little bit with a local writer and tried one thing with him, and then did a little bit of work with for Chuck Austin. And both of those projects were very different from each other. Yeah. I completed an issue of each. And the writer of the local one had gone to WonderCon in California. Yeah. And he was there the day before me. And when I get there, he goes, Hey, you got to go talk to Howard Chaikin. I showed Howard Chaikin your work. He likes it. You got to go talk to him. And I'm like, Okay, cool. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and, he, and he showed him the stuff that he and I had done together. Yeah. But I had samples of the other project that I had done. And so I managed to get in front of Howard and I, you know, asked him to, I said, my friend told me to come and show you my stuff. And he's like, who's your friend? <laughs> you know? He like, probably saw like a hundred people that way. <laughs> right. He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I, I've got some other samples that I'd like for you to see from the ones he showed you yesterday. And he's like, I'll, you know, I'll take a look at them. And he goes, but you really don't want to critique for me. Right. And I'm like, well, no, I do. I, and I was a huge Howard Chaikin fan. So yeah. I am. And he's like, no, you really don't. You really don't want to critique for me. I'm like, no, I really do. And because I was so insistent, he took his time and went through all the pages more slowly and thoughtfully. And it was funny because, you know, he's got the cantankerous reputation. So, you know, as he's going through, he's like, ah, this is pretty good. Ah, this is shit. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh, that's shit. What, what is this? And then there was some examples where I did some unorthodox things, which of course is what I, you know, kind of what I'm known for now. And he's like, what, what is going on here? Why did you do this? This is unusual. And I had an answer and that changed his opinion right there because I, it wasn't arbitrary right. what, it, what I did. And he, he didn't goes, say, I thought it looked cool. <laughs> right. Exactly. And he's like, huh? He's like, he's like, why aren't you working? And I'm like, he's like, this is, I think George Perez was sitting next to him and he bumps George Perez. He's like, Hey, look at this. He's like, this is, wow. some, you know, some of the best amateur stuff I've seen in a long time. And he's like, why aren't you working? I'm like, I can't get anyone to pay attention. He's like, <laughs> help me. <and> he's like, <laughs> he goes, all right, this is what we're going to do. He gets up from his seat, walks me over to the DC booth and starts shouting at the top of his lungs to give me a job. Even if he has to write it for me. Wow. And that was, a, that changed everything. That's crazy I, story, man. <laughs> right. And I started getting business cards from DC people. Dennis Cowan was there and he gave me a card that was at the start of milestone. And even this is how hard it was to break in back then. I can't even imagine what it's like now. 
I don't know how these guys are doing it now. Even back then, getting the seal of approval from Howard Chaikin, essentially, it still took me 80 phone calls before someone called me back. Wow. (laughs) That is nuts. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty wild. And I just, you know... Basically badgered. I just badgered people. I'm like, every time I left a message, I'm like, I'm the guy that you took my samples from that Howard Chaikin talked about. Yeah. Call me back. And I didn't get a phone call until they actually, when they actually needed a fill-in artist for something, they're like, Hey, who's that guy who won't leave us alone? <laughs> you, you know that was you know i know that i got like 80 voicemails from this guy <laughs> on my on my machine what the heck <laughs> yeah and that's how it, you know i got my first first uh gig at dc <laughs> that is awesome so, that is yeah. why is it always dc with the crazy gets <laughs> <laughs> i know i've when we've talked to some people that do uh publishing and it's always the same thing nowadays is don't send me one character. Don't show me a splash page. Give me a book. Right. Show me a right. book, you know, that you can yeah. start and finish a story. That's what they want to yep. see. Yep. Yep. It's kind of crazy. With that, yeah. And even with that, they, I've been told that I haven't seen the, the process of how it's done today, but yeah. I, I've heard from a lot of people from various sources that it's sort of gotten to a point where you just can't send samples unsolicited. Like before you, you, you could, from, you know, when I was coming up, you could just send your stuff in. Yeah. You might not ever get a response, but you could just, you know. Well, now they won't send, even take it. Stuff. Right. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. They won't even take it. Especially if you like you go to Marvel and you say you get Tom Brevert's email and you send him, a bunch of Spider-Man stuff that you did. They won't even, they'll just instantly trash it because if you send something in and then there's an artist that is similar to your work and then they use a pose or a sec, you know, like four or five panels that happens to look similar to yours. All of a sudden there's a lawsuit and they they won't even take, they won't even take the chance on it anymore. That's crazy. If you send a script in, it's the same thing. Say you send a script in for Spider-Man and you line out the stuff and it's close enough to something that's either going on or something they have planned. Well, now they can't use it because it could be construed, you know, that they stole it. So they won't even look huh. at it. That's why wow. it's better to do your own thing, show them your style, show them what you do, show them what you have and all that kind of stuff. And set, you know what I mean? And get them in front of that. Wow. Yeah. That's it's kind of, it's kind of depressing actually. I don't know how some of these guys are doing it. Cause well, especially if you, you grow know, up loving depend- that. Yeah. And the one, the independent market, you know, it's not like that's a cakewalk. So, right. Tell me know, about it. Uh, me and my buddy, Johnny, who's the uh, co host of the show, he unfortunately couldn't make it tonight. But, anyways, he just released an anthology called the Ions Anthology. Mm. And, man, it was tough. We, you know, we had to do a Kickstarter. I have a story in it. It was the first story ever done that's actually, you know, that I wrote because I am not. I mean, I have a hard time doing stick figures, man. Never mind anything else. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you want poorly drawn stick figures? I'm your guy. But, uh, <laughs> man, it was, you know, it, it, it was a grind just to get this first book out. And, we, and you know, it's been three years just to get to this point, And he just got the first thousand run 
from the printer. Wow. You know, and it's a grind. It's tough. Yeah. 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 Uh, For me, you know, I'm grateful that Howard gave me the attention that he did. You know, I look back on the stuff I was doing that he saw something in and I don't, I, I'm fortunate that he saw something in it because I it, w- it wasn't very good. <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're lucky because the only thing I ever heard about Howard is how much of a grump he is. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. that's funny that he's the guy that did that with you. I, I, that's a wonderful story. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, right now you're actually working on something with the uh, image Echo Land, right? Yes. It's called Echo Lands. Mm-hmm. And it's the same team that was on Batwoman. So it's me, Hayden Blackman, Dave Stewart, and Todd Klein. That's awesome. I'm in the middle of issue six. And, you know, the plan is to hopefully launch it before the end of the year. But, you know, it's hard to know for sure with uh, all the pandemic stuff going on. Yeah. And Um, hopefully it starts to slow down. Because other countries are slowing down and we're like ramping up, man. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know. Hopefully we can launch this year. It's been a long process. I started yeah. working on that a while ago after Sandman. I did a few things along the way, other things, you know, yeah. like I did, a, you know, a project for Amazon that was 50 paintings for uh Dracula thing that they oh, cool. wanted me for. So that took up some time, but I also lost a lot of time from, we ended up moving from, California to Nevada. That was more, more, uh, was that a good move? Arduous. Yes, I think so. Yeah. It was more arduous than uh, moving to another state was more intensive Pain. than I thought it would be. Yeah. Then after we got here, I got deathly ill, Ugh. almost died twice. Oh my God. So I had actually ended up losing maybe eight months of time from the illness. Is this something you're going to have to keep dealing with from time to time? Or are you okay? Or, uh, I'm pretty much okay. Good. Um, yeah, it was basically what happened is I ended up with appendicitis just as we were settling in, had emergency surgery, was sent home, and had to go back within a couple days because I wasn't getting – it was actually the getting worse again, and it turned out I was I become septic. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, and that – dude – I Dude. can't even begin to tell yeah, you. It happened, it happened to my mom. She had uh, diverticulitis. Uh, and she'd been dealing with her basically her whole life. And finally, it got so bad. I was like, I went for the weekend for two to, to spend the weekend with her because she was sick. And I ended up being there for six months yeah. uh, convalescing her. You know what I mean? Getting her yeah. back. And then she finally had to have surgery. And the surgery that was supposed to be 20 minutes ended up being six hours because wow. she had gone septic. They were able oh, to wow. clean it all out. We were like lucky because she she just turned eighty. This was three years ago, and or twenty fourteen. So wow, it's been six years. Holy moly! Yeah. But yeah, super lucky to have her right now. Yeah, yeah, it's a scary thing. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe how much it took out of me, and and then so oh my God, I'm glad that you get, then, you're good because that's scary. Yeah, yeah, and then we lost another year because the Las Vegas shooting happened. Oh my God! Uh, after that. And that you're like, why did we move here? I get appendicitis <laughs> and a shooting. I mean, <laughs> well, we ended we ended up doing a, a benefit anthology called Where We Live. Yeah, and that took a 
surprisingly amount a huge amount of time uh i lost probably a year off of the project due to that alone so yeah this thing's been a long time in the works and then you know as we're getting things on track and i'm like oh cool we're starting issue six of the artwork then the pandemic hits (laughs) jesus Isn't this just ridiculous? This is like the year of throw. Just throw this year away already. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so dumb. Yeah. (laughs) So this thing will eventually come out. (laughs) Yeah. But but image has been really great. That's good. Understanding about everything. And they're the ones that ended up putting the anthology, the benefit anthology out and stuff. So, Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I know for, I don't know if you still are, but you were working with, I have their name right here because I thought it was cool because I went and looked at all their stuff. The limited edition suit design for Artful Gentlemen. Oh, right. Yeah. We did a, a little bit of work with them. Yep. Yeah. What was that like? Well, I mean, because that's completely out of your norm, right? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty simple in a lot of ways. You know, they wanted some graphics that they could use on the back of a vest. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and on the inside of suit lining. So we did some of that. They, <clears throat> some people bought them, and I've seen some photos of people with them on. Yeah. Uh, and stuff. That was pretty cool. Did they I, give you I, any I suits? Mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. I always like and, tell myself I want to go get suits. You know what I mean? Like there's oh, a part yeah. of me that goes, man, if I could wear a suit every day. I feel so good. And then, you know, then I put on my sweats and my t-shirt and then it doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was because I wore like in the nineties, I ran a store and I had to wear a suit and I just got, I just wore out from it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's one of those things you, sometimes I enjoy putting on a suit, but I work so much from home. There just isn't a lot of uh, occasion. Yeah. Uh, And in here living in Las Vegas, it's not exactly, suit oriented weather most of the time right too hot yeah yeah but yeah this is sort of thing i would i'd like to do that you know, sort of thing again i thought about investing in um uh, a program to design fabrics oh cool uh, you know like the you know patterns for fabrics or whatever yeah, yeah. i always thought that'd be kind of cool uh, yeah. just don't know enough about the business. <clears throat> but when it comes to color and design, because I heard you talk, color means a lot to you, which can be different yeah. from a lot of pencilers, even though they all say color means a lot because they feel like I think they have to. But you are really passionate about color, line, and the design as a whole. Yeah. Well, I kind of had to be. So in my early education for art stuff I ended up taking, while I was in high school, two years of advertising art and design. It was an off-campus course. And that I learned so much from that, and it had a huge impact on, I think, everything I've done. So the teacher, the what he would do is sort of focus on wanting you to think about the idea itself. <coughs> what are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? regardless of how good you can draw or yeah. paint or whatever, what, is, you know, what is, what are you trying to convey? And there would be interesting projects like where we would have to take a, a soda can, mm-hmm. take a soda can and illustrate it four or five different ways. And one of them was 
to abstract it, to basically take the elements that are on it and take it apart. Right. And, and turn it into an abstract. So it was all about like the thinking behind the illustration itself. And so because that has affected what I do, I just kept thinking the, the more I did comics, the more I did comics, the way I wanted to draw comics, the more that sort of thinking came out. The more that abstract thought was put on paper. Yeah. Or what can this illustration do besides the, the expected thing? And when you start to get into design, if you don't think about the color, if you're producing design that's meant to be in color, if you don't think about it and you're just doing the black and white stuff and handing it over to a colorist and go, okay, do whatever you're going to have weird problems. So you kind of have to, think about the color ahead of time if you're going to be focused on design you know it's you, i just don't see how you could do it design stuff without taking that in consideration unless if you're just going to do just black and white comics right so <clears throat> dude you <laughs> when i was like looking all the stuff that you've done I, you can't even go through all, everything now because you've been super busy for quite a long time, but you've worked with some amazing people and mm-hmm. you've worked with, I mean, Jimmy Palmiotti, who is one of yeah. my favorites, Neil Gaiman, who did one of the greatest runs in comic book history with the Sandman series and still going, which is crazy. Yeah. And then of course, Alan Moore. You know, I mean, uh, when you look back and you're thinking, are you thinking, how the fuck did this happen? Because that's what I've been going <laughs> through my head. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. I don't know how I got on that trajectory. I'm fortunate, you know, because, yeah. you know, there was also Grant and uh, Greg Rucka as well. And Yeah, we had Greg Rucka know. on. He was great. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed working with him a lot. Yeah, there's... Uh, Doug Mensch, I got to work with Doug Mensch a little bit early yeah. on. I've just been really fortunate as far as like working with people like Alan and Grant and Neil. I know the way that I think what happened was when I was relatively early in my career, I was given the opportunity to create with D. Curtis Johnson a character called Chase. And the way that happened was kind of unusual. I was doing, you know, tidbits of stuff over at DC, and we had to, they had asked us to turn in a pitch for Hal Jordan. I remember doing a, I think it was called Underworld Unleashed. Uh-huh. It was like some sort of one shot involving, not Hal Jordan, uh, Alan Scott, I'm sorry. Alan Scott, Green Lantern, and they were wanting to do something unusual with him and make him like this darker, more mystical character. And I did this one shot with involving him. And for whatever reason, the editor at the time was saying, you know, know, we're kind of looking for pitches on spinning this off into his own title with this new uh, direction. So me and, and Dan Curtis Johnson, who we've known each other forever and had always wanted to work in comics together, said, well, can we pitch for it? Yeah. And so we, we pitched this, this concept. They loved it. 
sound like they were going to go with it. And then for whatever reason, they said, no, we're not going to do this with Alan Scott now for whatever reason. And we're like, okay. But the editor goes, well, you know, do you want to just pitch us something, you know, cold pitch us an idea? And we're like, okay, well, what do you want to see? And the editor, (laughs) it's so funny. The editor goes, he goes, well, I like chicks with capes. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, okay. Okay. (laughs) So, we went brainstormed and we're like chicks with capes. What we came up with was a detective wearing a, ch- a trench coat, <laughs> uh, who's a member of this, you know, uh, kind of spy agency, you know, the department of external operations. And that's how we created chase and got that off the ground and chase. We got to do some experimental things with, even though the series didn't live very long. And I ended up, that got canceled. I ended up doing work with Howard Chaikin for uh, Son of Superman, cool. a graphic novel, yep. which which was fun, and was doing little tidbits of things over at Marvel. And we get a I get a phone call from Scott Doombeer at Wildstorm, saying, "Hey, your name came up to you know for this Alan Moore project thing." called Promethea he, and he says, I'll be honest with you. You're, you know, you're not our first choice, Yeah, but you were recommended to us from Alex Ross. I'm like, okay. Wow. And, That's and a recommendation. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had never met Alex at the time. Yeah. He just knew your work. Yeah. And apparently Todd Klein was pitching for me too. And so Scott Doombeer was like, hey, what samples you got? Do you have some samples you can send me that I can forward to Alan? And so I sent him a huge stack of stuff, particularly the Chase stuff. And in particular, issue 1 million of Chase. That's back when they did that whole DC 1 million thing. And DC uh, Chase 1 million. Yeah. And Chase 1 million, you know, the series of Chase, we did some experimental stuff. But the Chase 1 million issue we I really tried to push for unusual layouts yeah. <clears throat> in that. And sent so Scott Doombeer took that stuff, sent it to Alan, and Alan was like, Yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy. And I think it was probably That's because amazing. he saw the experimentation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think he saw that experimentation. And the so I ended up getting the job and I'm like, you know, how do I not turn that down? Right. Right. How do you say no to Alan Moore? Yeah, you right. Exactly. And because of that particular trajectory and what Alan and I's conversations led to in terms of what Promethea became, how we, you know, I think Alan, oh, of course it's Alan Moore. He loves to experiment. That's yeah. what he does. Right. But I was willing to jump off a cliff with him. <laughs> That's cool. And I think he appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, and so we both we pushed each other significantly on that project, and other creators saw that. You know, Grant saw that, Neil saw that, and I think that sent me on this trajectory to work with people who were hoping to try to do something. Yeah. Unique, I yeah. guess you could say, Yeah, you know, and I, yeah. So I'm very fortunate to have the career path that I've had. It's awesome. Yeah. 
And now it's kind of come full circle because is do you consider well actually before I even make that comment do you consider Batwoman the book that really set you on the trajectory to be where you're at or is there something before that really said okay th- I've, I'm coming into my own and I know it on this book yeah I'd say it was Promethea really that's amazing yeah it was Promethea and then right as Promethea was wrapping up, I went and did Seven Soldiers of Victory with Grant Morrison. Yeah. Did those Batman issues with Grant Morrison. Uh, did Desolation Jones. And all those things were experimental like Promethea was, but in very distinctly different ways. Yeah. And so I think that really could show some people, you know, I can be more than what this one project was. Right. And... I, I would say Batwoman, because Batwoman, you know, played around in the Bat Batman universe, you know, has a more mainstream built-in audience, right? Uh, than Promethea, that reached people, reached a different audience than Promethea. Because you and, did some very unique stuff within Batwoman. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, I don't know. Do you? I mean, you probably don't even have a comic that has the traditional boxes from left to right. You know what I mean? You have that, but of course (laughs) not all, you know, you always have unique stuff happening within your books and it's cool because you're like one of the few artists that you see, Oh, J.H. Williams, the third did this one. I know that visually I'm going to be very entertained. Oh, cool. So that's always nice. So man, it makes me want to go back and get all the Prometheus again. (laughs) I read them. I try not to, so when I was a kid, I, I was very much like buying, you know what I mean? Putting them yeah. in bags and boards. And now I have all these books that I don't go back to, but I don't sell them because in my mind, I always say, oh, it's going to be worth money someday. And da-da. But then I never sell them, you know? And then when I go get <laughs> them, works. yeah. And when I go get them signed, they're like, do you want me to make it out to you? And I'm like, yes, I do want it made out to me. I want my name with your signature. That's a hundred percent what I want because I'm never going to cool. get rid of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, right. And so it's, but for that, those books, I read when they came out, but it's been a long time now. Yeah. I, I You know, for me, I guess, you know, it, being able to show doing comics the way I could see them yeah. being, Promethea was the perfect vehicle for it. And having those conversations with Alan where I'm like, hey, let's try this or let's try that. Yeah. And he would be also, well, okay, let's try this and try that then too just led to a series where we're willing to try anything to see if it just can work. Yeah. It wasn't a matter of doing it out of confidence. It was doing it out of, to see what was, if we could. Right. You know, that's where crazy things happen though. Right. Let's just do it. See what happens. (laughs) Right. And then going and doing that Batman stuff after that led to that one issue I did with Paul Dini on detective comics. Yeah. And what happened with that was kind of interesting. So they wanted me to be the regular guy for the Paul Dini run, which was super cool. But it was sort of happening in the middle of the Seven Soldiers of Victory stuff. Mm-hmm. And the the schedule on Seven Soldiers of Victory got so kind of weird and wonky that by the time I was done with that, there was no way for me to return to Detective Comics. So I only did the one issue but the plan was for me to return to that and continue to work with Paul, but there was no way he could 
he his own schedule at the time couldn't was work that in a way 2010 where, maybe is I can't that remember. is that the one that you want you got the Eisner award on oh I don't remember <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I love it. No, it's, it's, it's the best, honest answer ever. That's that's perfect. <laughs> uh, so you know, I was like, Paul wasn't wasn't in a position to where he could write scripts far enough in advance for me to step back on to uh, detective, right? So they ended up having me do. I ended up doing that Batman story with Grant. And somewhere around that time, the editor was, hey, you know, we want to keep you doing some some other bat stuff. Yeah. They're, and they're like, what do you think of Greg Rucka? Do you like Greg Rucka? I'm like, I love Greg Rucka. He does great stuff. Of course I love Greg yeah. Rucka. Yeah. And they're like, well, we want to do, we're talking about doing this thing, you know, with Batwoman. And he's, you know, it's sort of a reinvention from the ground up. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I get the opportunity to work in the Gotham world on a project that is basically you're getting to create everything from the ground up rather than just jumping onto a a, a well-known character. So that super intrigued me a lot. And uh, <clears throat> that, that led me to work with, you know, Greg on Batwoman and then he needed to leave and DC offered, offered me to stay on. And I brought in Hayden Blackman and we ended up, taking on the series for i don't know 24 issues or something like that that's awesome yeah but i think it was that mainstream audience where people where i basically took the same all the lessons i learned on those previous projects and applied them to what we were doing with batwoman but now you know with me and hayden we're in the driver's seat getting to tell the stories we wanted to tell and that's something I always, you know, wanted to get back to is be able to create my own stories. Not, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. You can and, see yourself doing that, writing, drawing, yeah. penciling, inking, having everything ready, maybe have a colorist do their thing because, yeah, you know, yeah. and the right letter. But you want to – have you had many books that you've done that with? Because I only no. primarily know you as penciler. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. On Chase, I was in the driver's seat with uh, Dan Johnson. We both developed the stories. That's cool. Uh, but I worked with an anchor on that. Yeah. Uh, Mick Gray, who's probably one of the best anchors around and um, probably underrated as such, too, I would say. Yeah. Um, I slowly began to start to ink my own work primarily because I – needed to i felt like i needed to grow in different directions that just being just a penciler wouldn't allow me to do well it's got to um, get so i mean it can't get boring but at some point it's got to get boring when you're like okay i'm i'm doing somebody else's work when it comes to the storyline which mm-hmm. causes in yeah. my mind i could see causes you to be like okay that means i have to constrain myself on how i want to really present you have a lot of freedom, but then at the same time, you're still constricted because you're not, but you can't, you can only bend the story so much to your will when it's right. somebody else's words. So that must, I, right. I totally get it. I always think of, I always think of uh, the rock bands that are oh, like yeah. Aerosmith. How many times have they've done walk this way in concert? <laughs> and right. at some time they have to be, I'm so sick of this song. 
I mean, they probably think, wow, it bought five of my houses, but at the same time, you know, it's like, that's why I never blame bands that are super, you know, they have this hardcore fan base for this certain style of music they play, but then they want to try other things because, yeah, you know, so I could, I can completely understand what you're saying when you're like, I, I, I want to, you want to make yourself uncomfortable on trying the new things. Exactly. And, you know, so I'd say what, you know, in terms of, career trajectory what that woman did for me was to show people you know i can be more than just the artist you know i i have invested interest in the story the type of story itself so that's you know super exciting in terms of what we're doing now with echolands because it's you know a creator-owned concept yeah developed by me and hayden blackman I'm excited to see this. So, yeah, it's, and it's been, it's super challenged because it's as much as, you know, working on Batwoman was a lot of world building because yeah. we got to invent a lot of new things. This is even more so because even with Batwoman, you're Ground still up. dealing with, you know, with Batwoman, you're still dealing with a recognizable iconography that you can easily have your brain access, which is right. Gotham City, the, right. Bat, the Bat universe, right? it comes with certain expected tropes that are just at your fingertips. You're building Same a city w- within a state that's already built out. Right. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. And same with Sandman. When I did Sandman, it's like, it was very similar and relatively easy to get into for myself because you're, I was dealing with iconography that somebody else already thought of. Yeah. So yeah. I just had to come in and, and do something new with it. Now, Echolands, what makes it so uh, a unique challenge is the fact that none of this exists anywhere else. Yeah. So it's complete world building by Hayden and I, and, you know, presents its own unique challenges and actually is probably more time consuming because of it. Is it recharging your artistic sensibilities? In some ways, uh, I don't know if I guess, uh, you know, it's more of a, it's a different kind of challenge. Yeah. So as an example, the comic is going to be landscaped. So, so it, it's going to be white, wider than it is tall, which presents a very unique a storytelling challenge, <laughs> particularly because the thing I really got into in Promethea was dealing with double page spreads. So when we decided to do Echolands, you know, I had kept doing the double page spreads on every project after Promethea for the most part, just because I like how it, it was creates a design challenge, I guess. So when we decided to do Echolands, we're like, okay, well let's do this landscape, but still do double page spreads. Yeah. So you're dealing with very panoramic setups. In my mind, um, I have uh Dune, not Dune, like the uh, one from the eighties, but, the 1970s guy that wanted to create Dune and he had these amazing landscapes and everything that he brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Swarovski. That's what his name. Yep. Yep. He worked with Mobius on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mobius. Oh my God. That guy was so good. Yeah. And so with, you know, Echolands being a landscape format creates a, you know, at first, when I first started drawing the first issue, yeah, I was like, "Oh, this will be easy. It's the same. It's the same measurements. It's just turned sideways, you know, extra long. But it's not like I'm drawing bigger or smaller. 
But, oh man, was it a big challenge. I didn't realize how difficult it would be to for the storytelling. But the end result is super fascinating because I think as much as I've tried to focus on fluidity of graphics going across a page before, Echolands does it even probably 10 more, tenfold more. Wow. It just... It sounds ambitious. Yeah, I'm is. so excited to see this thing now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it's actually successful yeah. in, what, in, in my experiments. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, though. But I'd rather try, you know, and but there's been some th- surprising things that even though it's been harder to draw than I expected, not just from the world building aspect, but because I've decided to use this weird format. Yeah. I've been really happy with how being panoramic like that creates this flow when you're dealing with a double page spread, how you can, it just feels like it hums along, I guess. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, an, it's interesting. That's cool. That's really cool. I'm not blowing smoke either. I'm excited to, to, to see what comes out when uh, finally. So if people are listening, you know, make sure that you let your LCS, your local comic book shop, know that Image is working on this book and you're really interested in, in checking it out. And, and hopefully the more people that bug Diamond and bug Image, the quicker they can get it out. <laughs> That's, it's going to be more on me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, everyone's waiting for me <laughs> are they that's funny i'm just trying to make your life more difficult <laughs> come on jh <laughs> well man thank you so much for coming on this has been awesome oh thanks for having me yeah i would love to schedule you again sometime because yeah this was we were already over an hour in and it felt like we just started talking like 10 minutes ago <laughs> yeah, it goes quick. <laughs> it does. It goes really quick. Well, it's easy when we just we're just bullshitting, you know what I mean, and talking. Right. And I what I always try to do is is just have research, have an understanding of your career and then just talk, you know, and then go through yeah. things because I don't know. I feel like the yes or no questions are uncomfortable and doesn't create any you don't get to know anything. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what uh I was going to ask you something because it doesn't really matter um, because of COVID. I was going to ask you what your next con was. And it's like, no, there is no next con right now. Yeah. No you probably cons. have no in- <laughs> thing going on right now, except for working on echo lands. And then you have anything else in the pipeline that you can't talk about. You can say, Oh yeah, I have other things that are going on or it's just is echo lands a hundred percent everything. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple other things that I took on sort of some small tidbits of things. Cool during the pandemic. Cause I kind of was like, there was a couple interesting um, job offers that came my way and I was, well, times are kind of tough. I probably shouldn't say no to these things and they're yeah. going to be cool anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some things I can't talk about them, yep. but well, when you uh, can, maybe you'll come back on and we can go over all of them. Sure. Yeah, sure. And then, yeah, what we got? so is Echoland's creator owned. Do you have plans yes. for more creator owned after this? I, I hope so. Good. It, it, if this, it, I, there's so much, you know, relying on the success of this thing. I think, you know, <clears throat> my hopes as much as I like doing, you know, corporate work and I have yeah, a great love for, yeah. And I have a great love for a lot of those characters that, you know, I always, you know, like, Oh, it'd be cool to do this or yeah. to do that or whatever, you know, but ultimately I think 
if I could create my career going forward, just focused on things, creator owns content and <clears throat> have it pay for itself. Yeah. Why should I do anything other than that? Yeah. You know, those are the stories that are, I, I want to tell and I would like to be able to get to, you know, at least a, a quarter of them before I die. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, man. We almost lost you last year. We don't need to do that again. Get that stuff done. <laughs> exactly. 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 Oh, that's cool, man. Well, thank you so much, AH. And I hope we can talk soon. Yeah, let's do it again. Harry shaking. We're back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try. So if you and I interview Howard shaking, I'm going to try and slip in Harry shaking somewhere in the interview to so you know. Oh my God. That would be I'm hilarious. Try and slip it in the background. I wonder if he would take offense <laughs> to it though. Cause he's, he's a legendary curmudgeon. Yeah. I, I, I that's That's fine. Yeah. There's a part of me that wants Casey to do it. Yeah. Casey, well, cause Casey is good at stuff like that. Yeah. Well, no, it's yeah. just like, you can't not like Casey. Right, he's so right. It's impossible not to like Casey. You can't not like me. I'm so lovable. Sure. Look at this sure. face. They can't Aww, see, they can't see my face. face. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's a sad clown. But I, I actually really enjoyed this interview. JH yeah. uh, was he was uh, he was great, man. It was cool. We we hung out for like an hour, and he can, you know, I've listened to some of his other interviews, and, and he's not always the most. Um, Sharing. Forthcoming. Sharing. Yeah. 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 And we got, you know, he really opened up and I, I think him and I got along really well. So that was, it was really cool. I, I, hopefully sometime we can get him back. We have so many people on. It's hard to get people <laughs> on as repeats now. Right. You know, it's like I, I want him to come back on, but it's like, we have so many people scheduled out. Yeah. We're, st- we're still scheduled out for Yeah. We're scheduled like- out for all of October and into November, right? Yeah. We're in, we're in, we're in the middle of November now. We're scheduling. Wow. That's just insane. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to cross 500 episodes soon. Just yeah, so you know, I don't know what over, we should do. We gotta do something for five hundred because that's a big one. It that's is a big, big deal. One. So it is a biggie. It's a it's yeah. a biggie. Hey, it's a biggie. But yeah, man, JH was cool. Uh, I I I, I kind of sad that I missed that one as yeah. I always do. Like I don't know, I don't talk at interviews, but I like listening. You know, yeah, yeah you missed but, out uh, some great ones. JH Williams was great. Jason Alexander was great. Yeah. Um, God, man, it's just some of the artists that you've missed out on is kind of. It's Drew right. Zucker and David Boer with Canto. I mean, you. Just, I was on that one. No, that we we did we did the oh, DVD the commentary, commentary style, yeah. and you missed that, on that one, one. And we got to get those guys back because yeah. more books are out. Yes, we do. Yes, so. we do. All well, right, man, man. I think that's, that's a show. That's a show. All right, that's well, a show. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. And if you did, I did. Uh, yeah. Which, I, if you're this far, you definitely did. Yeah, absolutely. head over to spoilerverse.com and check out our back issues. There's so many things for you there to enjoy yeah and uh check out our store and get a t-shirt a hoodie or a face mask or something i look fly as hell yeah Yeah, buddy and uh, help support us out because we um you know we do it all of our own pocket and anything you want to support us with is great uh you don't have to obviously but it's really cool if you do there you go and check out all the other podcasts on spoilerverse.com there's a ton there's so many i think with that there's one more thing you got to do kenrick in an oceans of podcasts we are Cthulhu. Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind and read. More. And listen to after music for some stuff.
I already got it. It's just some seltzer water. So I, I did a little bit of research on you before you came on. Okay. And I saw your YouTube stuff with the struggling comic artists, I think it was the channel. And I thought it was really interesting. You're very open. You and your wife are super open about the struggles of starting in the business. Oh, right. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah you got to be a glutton for pain because you must not like making money if you're going to be a comic artist. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of those things. It's Yeah, I remember when we did that. We did that interview so long ago now. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, the guy who put that together, Chris Wisnia. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. And it's sort of like this project he was working on for a long time. And he's been slowly doling things out. Um, oh, so you guys did that? Because I think it just showed it like 2018. Yeah. Yeah. That probably might be when he put it up. Uh, but the yeah. interview was before we actually moved to Las Vegas. So... And we've been here for four years. Oh, wow. It's been a while, three three or four years. But uh, yeah, as far as, you know. <laughs> it was just cool because you guys are very open, very honest. You don't really get that a lot with somebody that's uh, in any kind of, like yeah. I had, uh, I talked to Marv Wolfman, right? Uh-huh. And I was super excited. Uh-huh. It's Marv freaking yeah. Wolfman, right? Yeah, right. And, and yeah, I read to sure. Dracula and I read all this stuff. And then it was very, it, it, I'm very... I don't know. I'm very open. So it's like, whatever, you know what I mean? And I just, yeah, yeah. And I like to talk. So sometimes you got to yeah. tell me to shut up and yeah. And so I'm always interested, especially when somebody's starting out, especially in the sixties, you had all these people that became these legends of the industry. And yeah. I'm always wondering, you know, what did they get paid? You know? Cause that's, yeah. it's kind of a crazy thing. And his first thing he got, he sold a script for some, I can't remember the, the book. It was some, it's a well-known book, but it's a well-known book for people of because i'm 45 so it's still it's too old for me even you know what i mean it's like Uh uh if somebody was reading in the 60s they would know the book really well Uh i can't remember the name anyways he he thought it was going downhill so he wrote a script he sent it in to dc they bought it right and i was like oh what kind of money did you make on that i mean it's been like 50 years you know, he's like, oh, I don't talk business. And I don't, I was like, oh, okay, I'm so sorry. And it was awkward ever after that. <laughs> I was talking and I, and uh, yeah, it was just weird. It, and we've talked to, we try to talk. We, we, we started off as a comic book podcast. We love talking to people in the comic book industry. That's who primarily who we talk to. We branched out now. We're doing people from TV. We've had people from movies and directors and all that kind of stuff. Trying cool. to get more out there my our whole goal is to for all of us to quit our day jobs and just do this uh-huh, uh-huh. but it's tough because we started in 2017 if we would have started in 2014 i think with our format and the ability to get the people that we're getting we'd probably be at that point where we could do that but we happen to start when it seems like everybody and their mom wanted to start a podcast <laughs> right. so it's been tough it's been tough okay yeah, you know, as far as, you know, being a glutton for punishment to get into this business. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I think anything that takes creative art- artistic endeavor to accomplish, <clears throat> it's hard It's hard to, you know, for somebody to get wealthy off of that. But people do it because for a variety of reasons. One, they feel like maybe that's, they have a compulsion that they have to do it yeah, or they have a love for whatever it is that they're doing to such a degree that, you know, that the, the feeling of doing the work is more important than 
making you know yep. yourself rich off of it. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I think that happens a lot. I think that's why we do this because we don't like we're at episode. We're almost episode. We did episode four hundred today. Came out four hundred episodes, yeah. and we don't make any money. None. Not one cent. We, and and we pay out the butt to get. Like me and, and my main and the guy that I started this with Johnny, we've we've bought in everybody mics. We we pay for everything, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's not mm-hmm. because, well, obviously we're not making any money, cause we're, so we're not doing it because we're getting anything out of it. We're doing it because we just love it so much. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess working in comics is like that, you know. Yeah. It's, for a lot of people, you know, a lot of artists could find ways to, you know maybe make more money doing things for, you know, I don't know, storyboarding or animation or moving into fine arts. But I I don't even know if it's easy to make good money doing that stuff either. I think it's probably just as competitive and, you know, trying to establish yourself and get a reputation in those arenas. has got to be equally as difficult. Yeah, it's gotta be a fine artist can make some really good money if they successfully move themselves into, into that world and they're selling paintings for good chunks of money. Yeah. And I feel like fine but, artists need to really understand self-marketing uh-huh. on a, yeah. on a different level. Like, yeah, I know this girl and she went to the university. I mean, we're out of Seattle and she went to the university of Washington. Her name is Molly and she's a painter and she does some cool stuff. And she, finds things that inspire her. And one of the things that she did was she took money from all over the world and then made uh, paintings. Not She didn't copy the money. She just made what inspired her from that money. You know what I mean? Uh, like, interesting. Like farm life or whatever it was. And she did that. But one thing she always did is she went and she would always rent out uh, restaurants or studios or anything like that. And downtown Seattle is an, a, a, is a great artist city, right? They support yeah. the arts. Yeah. The, the the citizens of Seattle support the arts really well. And so she would do that and she would sell all, all of her paintings every time. And then from that, she got in with, uh, she got a, she got accepted into the New York master's program for art. And she went and did that. Oh. And then, a few years ago, Google hired her and she did all of Times Square in an aquatic theme topic. Wow. We're talking like Times Square itself, the top of buildings. And then as Google satellite went over it, it took pictures of her art. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. M- Molly Dilworth. You should, if you ever get a chance, she does some amazing stuff, but all of her stuff is abstract and you know, it's all about lines and colors now. And it's really cool. Right. I wanted to buy a piece from her, but I just can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. That's that world. I think, you know, if I ever left comics, that's probably the the thing I would move into is the fine art stuff. Be cool though. You know, I, I've got a lot of ideas that I want to explore for painting. It just, I just never seem to take the time to do it. Yeah. The, the con, I don't know. I guess part of it, I get really absorbed into doing the comics work because I kind of view myself as, you know, I like to tell stories. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what, com- you know, comics really is telling stories. So, or the other thing I've thought about is just moving into, not exclusively, but maybe moving into doing some prose writing yeah. too. 
I've got a couple ideas I'd like to do for that too. You should do it. When? <laughs> hey, I'm going to do a quick intro because we're just talking and, and before you know it, we're going to be 40 minutes in and, and, and done and, 